Facebook people. We've got a special treat for you. My friend Bog Pike has joined us and we've got another, we've got somebody else joining us here in a second. Uh, Ruby's here too. Bob, you want to say hello? Hi, Ruby. Hi, Doug. <laughs> Ruby just joined. She's got a proper, proper camera open. Um, Bob, you were telling, you're telling me some interesting things about, uh, you know, Zoom is now becoming the preferred platform and then the difference between some of the other platforms that are available and just uh, love to kind of hear what some of your experience has been. Well, it's interesting because I actually have purchased a, a lot of platforms and, and actually was able again early on as pay one fee, use it forever. And, but what I found is that a lot of the platforms seem to be designed for webinars that sell. So it's like, let's get 100 or 200 or 1,000 people online, and we're going to deliver a webinar with a, with a sales purpose. And so yeah. there are things that you probably should have if you're going to be delivering training because you want to involve and engage people as much as you possibly can. And so what a lot of them lack is breakout rooms. You can't put people in small breakouts uh, because that's not the purpose of that platform. So, and I, and I mentioned earlier to you some of the platforms. So actually I'm gonna say what they are because I'd like each of them to actually add breakout rooms. And so that would be like Meet VO, uh, HQ webinar, HD webinar, webinar jam, uh, easy webinar. Um, all of them have a lot of features, but they don't have the breakout rooms. And so for somebody like me, if you're teaching people to deliver virtual training, which is probably going to be to 20 and 30 people at a time, uh, you want them to be able to go into breakout rooms to discuss things, solve problems, do that kind of thing. And uh, I'm probably not gonna try to do that with a thousand people, right. but I certainly wanna do that with, with smaller groups. And so uh, I've gotta use a platform that allows me to use breakout rooms. And <laughs> Zoom has gotten so much publicity in the last 90 days that a lot of times when I say to a client, so I'm just actually developing five seminars for delivery in Taiwan. And they're very open to using Zoom because they, they've heard of it. Right. So that's, so that's what we're doing. No, it's, and it's so interesting too, when we look at like delivering training, <clears throat> uh, you know, you have your learning objective, object, objectives, and then you have it to where it's typically structured um, now a lot of us are just kind of hopping on and then delivering some sort of training and being able to facilitate content. So, um, you know, at least for me, what I try to do is like ask questions to those who probably are a, an expert in their, in their area and then facilitate that in a way that's meaningful for everybody. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. Share some, share some of your thoughts on the difference between facilitated learning and kind of instruct, instructed-led learning. Well, actually, I, actually, I have a continuum. So if you look at it over here, over here, you have the straight presenter. So I'll say subject matter expert, keynote speaker, uh, that, that the further you get over here, 
and I have to be careful that I don't go off the screen. Uh, the further you get over here, the more the person is saying, look, I'm about content. I'm the expert, you want my content, I'm gonna deliver it to you. And, and so in the old style, it'd be, I've got my 140 transparencies and I'm just gonna throw them at you one at a time and it's gonna be, today it's death by PowerPoint. Over here, you've got the pure facilitator who says, look, I don't have any content, I've got process. So if you've got a problem, I've got a process I can apply to help you solve your problem or make a decision or, or whatever. And I think that the, that the best trainer is right in the middle where they say, look, I know the content, but I'm going to use facilitation skills to help you experience the content because when you experience the content, you own the content. Yeah. Because, because the purpose of training is to empower, inspire, and equip, not, not just to say, I dumped the content. You know, and, and I got to tell you, um, one of the mistakes that I made early on when I published Screen to Screen Selling is I went too far to facilitated learning, right? Um, <clears throat> because I had this digital whiteboard and I had these frames and, you know, we've been doing the flip chart for years, right? Well, then I have yep. the whiteboard, I'm able to pop it up. Um, I really kind of saw that as a way to... Um, bring the best from people, but I think at the same time, I kind of might have left them empty-handed because maybe they were expecting a little bit more, um, you know, bullet points and not so many questions. Well, you know, I think the challenge is that you've got um, you've got people that that if you go too far on the facilitator side, they're look they're saying, look, I'm paying you big bucks to give me content and all you're doing is asking me questions and it doesn't matter that the questions that you ask are bringing out all of the content that you would have delivered to them because you're kind of honoring their experience so so you need to kind of have that that blend um so that uh, i think that's one reason why open space meetings have never been as successful as they could be because the whole idea that I'm going to pay you a fee to come to a conference that has no agenda. You, you know, we're going to make up the agenda when we get there. Now, you know, that's fine if you're doing a mastermind where it's like, okay, there are eight high power people yeah. and we all have our challenges and issues. And we know that if I get seven other great minds in the room, something's going to happen. But when you've got a, a conference where you go, all right, we're going to have, 500 people show up, no agenda. We're going to create it. It's going to be fabulous. And there are just a whole lot of people that say, look, if, if there's no specific content and agenda, I don't want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think that you got to have that, that balance. Yeah. So is, is Ruby ever going to say anything or she's just no, Well, out? no. So, so Ruby, Ruby just mentioned in, in the chat that she said she had a great success with breakouts last week and she might've been using zoom Ruby, if you want to turn on your camera and I think you've just unmuted yourself, you want to say, hello Oh, you don't want to see my, I'm having a bad hair day. You, just, you gave me no warning, you know, so we're going to leave that picture up there. It's much better. <laughs> that was actually, yeah. Last and, week, we had eight presentations we did for the Mexican Football Federation. We had 44 teams on, and we had a 1,000 people attend over the week. So it was pretty cool. But we did breakouts, and it, it's mm -hmm. all about the planning in advance. So I presented a 90-minute presentation, and then 
uh, we broke them into breakouts with specific assignments. Yep. And that really worked <clears throat> well. Um, one thing I was surprised at is that the we would, went to give them the handout for the breakout, and we'd been doing it all week. And about Thursday, Zoom changed some um, setup, and we were no longer able to put the handout in the chat. It was like, bummer. <laughs> so we were trying to go quickly. We did email it to all the participants, but it was a little challenging because we didn't have that functionality, which we'd grown used to, which was really nice to be able to post it, send them in the breakouts and give them a timing. And then we also, another thing we learned is to pre-curate um, the, the little messages that come up in the breakouts in another document so that we could post it when it was time, just cut and paste. And of course that had to be in Spanish. So I was doing it in English. We had three translators and used the wonderful translation feature that Zoom offers. And it worked mm -hmm. really well. I was surprised. It, it uh, was exhausting and invigorating at the same time. And we were able to really impact quite a few people. So we were pretty excited about it. You know, I think one of the most interesting things is that virtual presentations can be very powerful, but it takes like two to three times as much preparation as doing face-to-face. -face. Very true. With the pre-prepared questions and the uh, opportunity to use the polling, we love the polling, really got an, a chance for the other teams to see what their, their colleagues had. And once again, those all had to be in Spanish too, so. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, I wonder, one of the things that's kind of that that's been on my mind recently is difficult remote participants, right? You know, when we're, when we're all in front of this, when we're, all, when we're standing in front of a room and then you've got somebody who has an agenda or that they're um, can kind of take control of the room. Right. Um, I'm wondering what, what, what you all do when you experience that in the remote environment. There's obviously the mute feature, right? When you're the host where you can mute somebody um, or kick them out of the room. <laughs> well, well, you know, my biggest thing, whether I'm live or whether I'm online is uh, especially, so look, look at this thing coming up in Taiwan. It's three, two hour sessions. And so the beginning of the first session we actually put people in breakouts and they come up with seven guidelines that if I follow them as the presenter, they will get the most out of our three two-hour sessions. That's and a great other, idea, Bob. And the other half is coming up with seven guidelines that if all participants follow them, you'll get the most out of the session. So they, they create that on their whiteboards. We, we paste them all together and so we say, okay, so I'm willing to follow all of these instructor guidelines if you're willing to follow all of these participant guidelines. And, uh, and, and, and maybe sometimes I want to add one because there's one that, so, so for example, um, that um, if they don't talk about being respectful or, or not hogging the air or that kind of thing, I might add that one and say, if you'll let me add one and you accept those. And so then what I'll do after about an hour and 15 minutes is I'll say, okay, let's go to our whiteboards. Um, give me a score on a scale of one to seven. How good a job am I doing of living up to the guidelines that we accepted? And then give your, all the participants a score. And uh, if we're not at a seven, I say, what do we need to do more of or less of? Because I think the participants are much better at managing negative behavior 
than we are in, in, in trying to be authoritarian. Yeah, and, and, and I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm, trying, I'm thinking of situations where this might be effective um, or even to prepare them with some of your materially in advance because when you look at uh, like getting to some of the high level questions that somebody might ask, getting them the materials ahead of time um, how easy is that uh, before you're able to jump on one of these live sessions right here? So they can actually do some of the prep work so they can ask those higher level questions. Well, uh, I also use an app called umu.com, umu.com, that allows me to create micro learning. So actually, before we ever do a course, whether it's live or online, I send out a link and they start going through the material that's delivered via the UMU app. Yeah. And, uh, and actually during the presentation, I'll say, instead of using the chat box for q and I'll, I'll pop up UMU and I'll say, okay, what's one question you'd like to ask? And so they're all using their smart devices. And what happens is as soon as they enter a question, uh, they'll start seeing all of the questions of all of the participants scroll. Oh, great. And then they vote for the questions they like. And I say, okay, we've got time to answer about four questions. And I just take the ones that have the most votes. So nobody can say that I'm avoiding someone, uh, but also that domineering person can't force their question through because people are going to vote for the questions that are most meaningful to them. And also the app allows me, if I want to, uh, after the session is over, I can actually go in and audio record answers to other questions that we didn't have time for during the class and then I can push that out to them. So I'm kind of using a combination of the, uh, the webinar technology, uh, you know, in this case, Zoom, plus the uh, umu.com app. How do, you, how do you spell that again? Umu.com. Umu.com. Okay, cool. I'm just going to put that in uh, for anybody who wanted that. I'll put it in the, in the comments uh, section of this for this. You know, Bob, a, a wise man taught me about 20 years ago that people do not argue with their own data. Oh, wow. oh yeah, I remember now that that was you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, thanks for remembering. Hey, I, I quote it all that's the time. True. That's true. That's true. If I say it, you say he's got to believe it. He's teaching it. And if you say it, you own it. So I love that you right. curated the questions that way. That's such a great idea. Um, well, you know, the other thing too, is that later on we do action planning because, because I think one of the things that's missing in a lot of presentations and even in training programs is that we don't give people to reflect on what have I learned and how am I going to apply it? And so uh, about two thirds of the way through each session, I'll say, uh, you're going to have a project to work on at the end of the two hours. But right now I, I want you to just uh, go to the UMU app again. Uh, again, I could be using this in the chat box, but, but uh, what's the most important thing you've learned in the last 90 minutes and how are you going to apply it? Yep. And then again, people will see that scrolling and they'll be able to vote for the ideas that they like. And so it kind of stimulates people to develop a, a more robust action plan than just their own thinking. And then again, it goes back to what Ruby said is it's peers persuade peers. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. I'm wondering, like, when you, like, during a time like that, would you ever give them an activity to perform, let's say, in a breakout room then for, 
them to complete and then come back in to be able to share. So it would be more like collaborative learning based upon what uh, some of the actual <clears throat> ideas that you've given during the session? Well, or does that become too cumbersome? Well, no, and, and I actually I use a combination because I want them to do their own thinking first. And then I, uh, I might put them into breakout to say, okay, now each of you has an action idea. Now we're gonna to go to breakout, share with one another your action ideas. If you like it, add to your list, but also look at the other ideas that people are sharing and, uh, and come up with what are your top three action ideas, put them on the whiteboard. So I wanna give them some individual reflection time first. And I think that one of the challenges that we have with virtual learning is that we think that we can never let the air go dead. You know, it's like it's got to be filled every second. And there's nothing wrong with saying, look, take 90 seconds right now to just sit and reflect on what have you learned? How are you going to use it? And then enter it in the uh, enter it in the app and then have 90 seconds of silence, maybe with some music in the background and give people time to think. What percentage of people would you say would actually do the work inside of the break, the breakout room? You know, like many times when, you know, you, you facilitate an exercise in a live class, you know, there's people who just kind of sit there or they'll get on their smartphones and check their, check their Facebook or whatever it might be. Well, for breakouts, I use only three people. So in a, in a face-to-face, we'd be saying that a good group size would be five to seven. But what I've learned virtually is that if I've got more than three people, it's, it's hard for people to figure out voices. I, I wish we got to the place where we had bandwidth where, you know, you'd have, you'd have like a sub screen where the three of us right now would be in a breakout room and we could see each other talking, but you don't have that. So, so when you've got three people and you know that when you come back, your whiteboard screen is going to be shared with the entire group. Uh, you know, especially when you're talking the classes that I'm doing of, of 20, 30, 40 people, uh, there's a subtle competition that's, uh, even though I never make comparisons, that says, well, hey, when we come back, we can't have a blank screen. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, we just can't. And, and if we go to the breakout and let's say that you and Ruby have an action idea and I go, eh, I just blew it off. Okay, well, now I'm impacting you. And, and again, do I, I, I may come up with an action idea just because I need to support my peers rather than, okay, I didn't feel like doing it on my own and I think this is a pile of you know what. Um, but I can't let down my peers. Wasn't there, there's more accountability because whenever you do something digitally, yep. right, there's, there's your name that's associated with it and your name doesn't show up, I would imagine that people would be like, well, what, what happened to that? Yeah. Right? yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, Ruby, so one of the things that you mentioned um, before was doing the si simultaneous translation, right? Um, have you run into any difficulties with the context of the language being translated or does, cause I think with the automatic with that zoom might have, you're probably looking at, you know, in done real time, probably about 80% accuracy and then plus the contextual, the context of you know, the, the example. We um, actually have live translators that we work with the interpreters that work with the Mexican football federation. When we do live presentations in Toluca, Mexico, 
they are there and they understand the lingo and they understand the business really well. So when I was supposed to go there last week and instead of going there, we turned it into virtual literally yeah. overnight. And it was like, okay, let's, as Bob said, it, wow, there's a lot to do here and a lot to learn. You know, I'd used Zoom before, but not to this extent. So it was, uh, the translation was really helpful. And one of the things they did to help at the beginning is on Friday, they had a, a, a learning session for Zoom. And they met with each one of the teams and showed them how to use the tool so that it wasn't news to them going in on Monday morning. And that really helped. Mm -hmm. And then the translation, there's a, an add-on that you can put onto Zoom that has a, a little globe on the bottom where all your, your tools are. And you can select your language. And so we had two people that were on staff that are, are bilingual. And then as we presented, um, if there were any questions in chat, they translated the chat for us. Wow. And the listeners all spoke Spanish and very few spoke any English. So I presented in English and then they would click the little globe and choose, their, choose Spanish and they could listen what I said interpreted by the translators over that channel and it was it was pretty slick i was pretty impressed okay so ruby let me ask you a question because what i've heard is that when they choose that option because i haven't used it yet that uh, they they hear the interpreters at about 80 percent volume but they still hear you at about 20 percent volume so that they're still getting your your tone and facial expression and things like that. Is that is that true? In our case, they only heard the language that they chose, but I had gone through all of my slides and put wherever I had any words on it, I put English and Spanish. We translated all the slides. So they were looking at English and Spanish at the same time, as was the interpreter. And I think that was helpful for the interpreter as well as for the participants. So they saw my slides, she listened to me and then translated it through the, the, the app that is the add-on to Zoom. So okay. it was pretty, pretty slick. Okay. Well, when I think of, when I think of, of Ruby presentation mode, right? Like let's say it's like, it's like 1.0, that's, that's your normal rate. Um, how much do you have to slow down it then? It was so hard. Oh my <laughs> God, it was so hard. And you know, I the point five. Uh, are you like are you like half of your normal speed or like a quarter of your your normal speed? Well, we had a, a, a chat going with the participants, and then we had WhatsApp going with all the people that were behind the scenes. And wow. I, I only got slowed down like four times. That's not bad. <laughs> and that was that was very kind, I think. And the other thing is, I like to have a seamless presentation. So when I would change slides, I didn't take a breath. And, and I, it only took me like the third day to figure out that, you know, it's really good to just take a breath before, when you change the slide, let, let them grab the slide before you go in. But that was honestly the hardest thing was to slow down. And a, a few weeks ago, we were talking about how the challenge of translation and someone shared with me that, that Spanish has 25% more words to say the same thing in English. And I went, oh, that's good to know. <laughs> what a concept. So not only did I need to slow down, but I needed to appreciate to translate what I was saying. It's 25% more words. So yeah, there's a lot there. Well, you know, it's interesting. I did a, I did a presentation once. This was face-to-face, -face, but we, 
had people listening in four different languages. So we had we had English, Spanish, Japanese, and uh, and Chinese. Actually, a fifth French. And so I would say something that uh, I and I don't tell jokes, but I have natural humor. So the people listening in English would laugh immediately. <laughs> And then a few seconds later, you would have a different language group start laughing. And then, a, you know, and a, so you you'd kind of get this wave and I'm going, why is it taking so long? And, and it was exactly what Ruby was saying is that different languages will take the same amount of, uh, a different amount of time to explain the same concept that you've just shared in English. When so, we're in, but you're uh, absolutely right. In person too, it's really hard because the, the English folks who get your jokes or your humor, and I don't tell jokes either, but you know, you have a one liner every once in a while, and and the the folks in English would laugh, and then I would see the, I could see the booth where the translators were, and they would smile, and then eventually you could hear where it went into the headsets of those who were speaking Spanish. But that delay was killer. It could really knock your confidence if you weren't prepared for mm -hmm. it. <laughs> yep, that's very true. That's very true. Well, I, I find that virtually you all automatically have to plan to deliver, you know, if you had, if you had like 90 minutes of content face to face, that it that really has to be like 70 to 75 minutes of content. You just have to cut that content down because you, you cannot deliver the same amount of content um, virtually for just a variety of reasons. And one of them is the technology and the, and the, even if you didn't have a language difference, um, the the technology and the fact that it's not face to face and the, uh, the the different ways that you need to engage people that would be instantaneous face to face, but it takes more setup when you're virtual. You're absolutely right, and one of the, the we really wanted to keep it interactive as much as we could as as another wise friend. Oh, that was you too that taught me that. <laughs> um, and so one of the, we always included um, an opportunity to ask questions. We put that throughout and we also encouraged them to go ahead and put the, their question in the chat. So when there was time for a pause, then the person who could read the chat to me would jump in and read the questions or the comments. We asked them to comment on quite a few things and offer their ideas on things in you know, one and two words. And then we also did the uh, quite a bit of polling. And I love polling because two things, not only can, if you really structure it wisely, you can teach through the polling as well as get the information from their responses. And at the end of the, the session, you can get a report that says how people answered the polls, which is very helpful. I use that and go to webinar all the time to learn about the people who've signed up for my free webinars. And I'm strategic about the questions that I ask so that when I follow up with their permission, I already know a little bit about them and maybe where their areas that I can help them with. So what, give, give us a, what's one example of a question that you used last week with the football federation? I actually have my notes right here. That's, <laughs> let me pull some out here, Bob. Of course you do. It's good timing. We were asking, um, the last session was about uh, the recognition program and how they recognize their staff that work in the stadium. And so we asked them to check all that apply and we asked them if they 
we wanted to have some success in there. So we said, uh, um, our, our club has the following elements of a recognition program. We say thank you when a job is well done. Uh, we offer treats or meals given to staff um, as a uh, thank you. Um, we have our years of recognition or years of service recognition. And then we offer, offer safety awards and they could check any of those. And we found out that nobody was giving any reinforcement or encouragement or recognition for safety, which was really surprising for me because they're, you know, these are, are very passionate people who are very excited about the sport of soccer. So down in Mexico, it's, it's a lifestyle and they really get into it. So there's a lot of fights. So, you know, we were talking about how we could, really work towards eliminating some of the fights and I thought maybe recognizing the people who do create that safe environment would be a good um, proactive <laughs> approach to it so it was much better than recognizing the people that start the fights that's true that's true so you know we were it was it was a great way to talk about each one of those and at the same time be able to identify areas that they weren't doing at all so it was a good insight from the poll answers, and then also I could teach about each one of those elements as we went through and talked about the poll too. So, very cool. Ruby just gave me a really good idea from those answers that come in from some of the the live the live polling, or maybe even the Q and A. There ha there must be some sort of way to programmatically add those responses into a customized campaign outside the webinar platform. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's great. I, I've been getting the reports from GoToWebinar forever. And if once again, if you plan strategically, what is it that you want to know about the participants? Yeah. And then put that into a question so they have to validate it. They really don't know. And it's not like a secret, but they don't know that whatever they say gets tagged with their email or however they logged in. Sure. But your report does put that out into a chart that shows how this one person answered everything. And it is really insightful. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, um, somebody, uh, Alex Mendozian was involved with it, but uh, there's a database called Ask Database. And uh, it, it allows you to uh, create a poll, but when you when you finish and and, and uh, so for example, I was going to interview Ken Blanchard and I said, uh, what's what's your most question per, what's your most pressing question about um, leadership or customer service that you'd like to ask Ken? And uh, we we got like five hundred responses, but the the Ask Database software will actually um, do uh, word mining, so so top one word, top two words, top three words. And so suddenly you find clusters that, yes, we had 360 questions, but they fall into 10 categories. Well, when we then marketed the session that we were gonna do with Ken, we said, Ken's gonna answer these seven questions. And of course, these were the seven questions that they were asking. So why wouldn't you sign up for a webinar where you're gonna have answers to the seven questions that are topmost on your mind. But it wasn't our brainstorming what were those questions. It was like uh, Ruby saying, let's let's data mine. And yeah. if, if I'm giving answers to the questions that you're already asking, uh, you're going to be on and you're going to be engaged. 
I'd forgotten about Ask with uh, Alex. Thank you for that reminder too. I found one of the uh, papers he wrote on and I put it in the chat there. But it really does eliminate that guesswork and it's great for the campaigns you were talking about, uh, Doug. Great idea. Well, so was some of, one of some of the stuff that I'm doing with Amazon Alexa is being able to capture uh, responses from the user and then be able to use those in subsequent sessions later on. So it's kind of like a, it's a programmatic way of being able to kind of guide somebody through a process. Um, so that's kind of some of the advanced stuff I'm working on that's um, you'll probably see pretty soon. I'd call you the Alexa Maven, but I don't know the male equivalent of Maven. <laughs> She's she's my now she's my significant other. This uh, <laughs> is the safest way to go. Well, I'll tell you a, a quick story. About three three years ago, I was given like the Amazon Tap when it first came out. Yeah. And I brought it home, and my wife said, "No, no, we're not having any of that." I I cover my webcam. I goes, you know, <laughs> everybody's listening to us. And so anyhow, uh, uh, one of the people that I work with was was visiting, and and she was just. Uh, raving about her Amazon Echo. And, and my wife said, you know, maybe we should try that. And I said, well, I've had one in, in the garage for like three years. Well, she commandeered that. And I mean, and, and so she got the tap going and, you know, then she bought an Amazon Echo. And of course, it, now, they are all now, now, they, <laughs> now, now Alexa listens to Andrea, and but Bob is allowed to have a profile. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want, if you both want, want access to my beta test on the uh, the video course that's for Fire TV and or the mm -hmm. Echo Show, I'll, I'll send you beta access. That'd, That'd be great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. I'll send you a note afterwards. Um, so you know, this is kind of one of my question that I just kind of think about, right? How everything everything's kind of changed overnight. It, it hasn't, but it has in terms of others creating urgency on tool selection, skill skill set development. What are what are what are you both most excited about um, in the future moving forward with, with all this going on? Well I think that one thing is that people have learned that um, virtual meetings don't have to, or and virtual training doesn't have to be dull, dry, and boring. I mean, a, a, I mean, a, a, a sorry, I just had to add that in. <laughs> I, I do sound effects every now and then. I've kind of been, I've kind of held out, right? So we were both wondering what that was. <laughs> I, I, I thought, is that, is that Ruby commenting or? <laughs> it wasn't me really. No, but, but I think that the whole thing is that we, uh, you know, you, you just can't go online and be a talking head. You know, that if that was death in the classroom or death on the platform, it's going to be even more, it's going to be double death uh, online. So I think that there is an entirely different skill set that's needed, more preparation that's needed. Um, but it, but virtual can be very, very effective. And, uh, and I think that the one thing, and I, and I had to actually just push back with the people that I'm working with in Taiwan and they're going, well, we can't charge as much for the webinar. And I'm going, Hey, we ought to be charging more because you have no, you know, have, you have no expenses. 
and uh, and people don't have to travel and people are not at risk and you know I, I think the whole idea that that virtual means that it's uh, that it's got to be cheaper free is uh, is kind of something that we need to to push back against that the content is still vital the expertise that we bring is still vital and uh, they asked me to do um, how do how do I convert classroom to online and I'm and I'm going you know, if anything, you ought to be charging triple for it because companies need this like right now and, and company, the kind of companies you're working with can, can afford it. It's not like we're squeezing the small business owner. You know, you're, you're, you're talking about multi-billion dollar companies and if they have to pay an extra few thousand dollars for this, this information when it solves a, you know, multi-million dollar problem, that's, that's a bargain. It drives me nuts. Penny wise, pound foolish. Mm, it just absolutely. drives me nuts when the impact it can make by giving this real-time information is so critical, especially. Well, and, I, and I think the other thing is that this is a time of preparation that, that what are we doing to upskill people so that whenever we reset, uh, how do they hit the ground running? Uh, and uh, and this is this is the time to be doing it instead of instead of going okay well we just have to kind of hibernate until this passes and it's, it's like no you don't have to hibernate this is this is a period of preparation preparation that you never had the time to do before I mean how many companies go oh, I really love this kind of training but we don't have time you know our people are so busy well they're not busy right now so let's get them upskilled. Yeah, that's good, Bob. Uh, Ruby, what about you? What are you most excited about moving forward? I'm excited that the world is finally experiencing it, mostly out of need, but they're experiencing it. And for the most part, I think it's been a good experience and enlightening. And they probably kicked and screamed a little bit to go on it. And of course, after the 10th one in one week, they're like, enough already. <laughs> but at the same time, it's such a great opportunity. You know, when you're, you know, shelter at home and you have to be there and it's not like you have other meetings that you're going to leave and go to. So I think that it has a great opportunity for training. In my world, I, I specialize in sports, leisure, and entertainment. So I have 66 teams that I work with around the United States and Canada and now Mexico. And, and so they're gearing up for baseball. You know, we missed opening day. It was like, oh, I missed that so much. But it's also an opportunity to call it kind of the off season. And that's when we do most of our training to really have the biggest impact with the team. Mm -hmm. So I see it as a great opportunity for them to embrace the things that we wanted to teach, but they couldn't find the right time or they couldn't find the right scheduling. And, and so this is a great opportunity for us to get in there and do some really good things and help set them up for a great season once we start. Yeah, absolutely. So, so great. I mean, it's, it's critical to stay positive and optimistic and what can we do to kind of help one another? And I just really appreciate both of you uh, hopping on last minute like this, right? It was fun. Thank you for the opportunity. This is great. Absolutely. All right. Well, terrific. I'm going to, every, if everybody, if you're sitting in front of your computer right now, I want you to give a big round of applause for my friends, Bob Pike and Ruby Newell Legner. <laughs> All right. Thank you. We'll see you soon, Doug. All right. Take care, guys. Take care, Bob. Thanks, Doug. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.